Dave, did you want to know what's in my box? Yeah. Do you have a box? What's in your box? Uh oh. It's badger feces, which is incredibly <laughs> valuable in this particular realm. It's is it's practically gold. Red Raiders. Hello. Thread Raiders. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for dry logs and gasoline-covered logs. Gotta love those. Watch, That's how mm. I lost my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I am David Steele, along with... Chaotic Anarchy. And I am Femwald Griswick. Da, da, da. And this week's uh, packed full show, we have a lovely interview with a friend of mine, Carrie Green, the amazing man that I met in person at Podcast Movement 2018. Uh, he runs podcastfasttrack.com and the podcast, Podcastification, which guess what that's all about? I'm thinking it's a cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. So we'll have an interview with him, and uh, and then I think we're going to do some tea time tea and time. some what's in the box, right? What's in the box? Yeah. Nice. All right, so uh, who's up first? Interview? Yes. Let's go! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special recording. This is David Steele here with you. I am at Podcast Movement. I was kind of under the weather with some busted up ribs, but trying to hang and come to this amazing podcast movement a group of podcasters from all over the world come together to learn and grow and have fellowship together. So it's my first podcast movement, and I'm having a great time learning. Excellent expo with some cool ways to check out microphones and headphones and gear of all kinds and look and talk to the media host in person. So it's really neat. It brings the uh, people you look at and meet on social media to more of a personal level. So I'm really excited about that. That's the part that I gain the most, then I grow the most as a podcaster, is when I come and meet people in person and get to see the face behind the mastery. So today, I have a very special guest uh, I reached out to, someone that I saw was involved in podcast movement and going to be here, Mr. Kerry Green. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him before I hand him the mic. Kerry Green, how I found out about him was in my journey learning about podcasting before we began podcasting. I started doing research and trying to find out everything I could about podcasting. And of course, those of you that know about podcasting know Dave Jackson, the School of Podcasting. Uh, I also knew uh, Ray Ortega and listened to his show, The Podcaster Studio. And then I also found uh, Daniel J. Lewis. And then uh, somehow I heard about podcastification and I found this show that was different than the other ones. You think, uh, how many podcast shows can there be? Well, you know, they all have their own style and personality. And Mr. Kerry Green is known as the podcast happiness guy, or the client happiness guy. Uh, yeah. Make sure I say that right. And it's true, because when you listen to the show, Podcastification, and it's easy to see the artwork just jumps out at you. And actually, I'm going to digress here, because when I look for new podcasts, even uh, the School of Podcasting, which is one of the biggest podcast shows, I first didn't listen to his show because I didn't like his artwork. It didn't jump out at me. Mr. Green's show, Podcastification, has that cool 
bang, it just jumps out at you and catches your eye. So like, you, you jump on and say, let me check out this show. I checked out this show and the show is catchy and exciting and educational at the same time. So it's worth a listen. So make sure you guys check that out. He also runs the podcast FastTrack.com. It is a, and we're going to talk about that. So first, let me introduce Mr. Kerry Green. Hello, hey, sir. Hey, David. Good morning. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm so glad you could be here. And uh, you've been here. When did you come to the location? I, for I got here. When did I get here? Wednesday evening, I think. Or yeah. Maybe it's Tuesday. Now, gosh, man, I'm so Tuesday confused. probably. Yeah. So turned around. Yeah, it was. It was early on. My flight was delayed a little bit because of weather and all that. But we got oh, here. Wow. We got here toward the beginning. And what part of the country are you coming from? Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, I live. Right in the center of the state, small little mountain town. It's a beautiful place. Now, when I think of Colorado, all I think of is the mountains. Is yeah, it all like that? No, it's not all like that. The eastern plains are like Kansas, okay. you know, just okay. flat, and, or Nebraska, somewhere like that. But where I live, yeah, 14,000 foot peaks all around us. Wow. It's just a gorgeous spot. Is it true, like the uh, people talk about the different height difference from sea level? Does it affect you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If people are used to a lower elevation and they come up where we live, it can take them three or four days to get kind of acclimated, yeah. catch their breath, yeah. uh, drink lots of water, don't overexert yourself. You know, that's my advice. Right, right. And did you always grow up in that area? Is no, that no, no. Think? I grew up in the Panhandle area of Texas. Oh, wow. So right around Amarillo, lived about an hour from there. Redneck all the way. That's it, We laugh about it. You know, we're just a bunch of rednecks. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, too. And I learned people need to definitely go out of their comfort zone and meet people from other places, yeah. other parts of the United States, other people from around the world. You find out that we all are the same in general, but there's so many differences of how we're brought up up or our, our environment yeah you know it, it's so cool i know it just absolutely makes, it's, it's interesting fun. yeah so now what made you finally move over to colorado was there anything i went there for that... college okay i uh, went to colorado christian college at the time hmm. changed to university while i was there met my wife uh we got married between my junior and senior year and you know the rest is history i mean we moved around some from there I lived in reno lived in hawaii lived in some different places but Colorado just always felt like home. Nice. And high school sweethearts. So No, no. I no. met her at college. Oh, it's college, not yeah. high school. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you were young and you got married. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Excellent. So tell me about which came first, the chicken or the egg? So podcast fast track or the podcast podcastification? Oh, gosh. Uh, of those two, the business came first. Okay. Yeah. All I right. started providing podcast production and show notes for clients because I had podcasted before, but it was a different podcast. Mm. And so I learned in doing my own podcast, the pain points of the yeah, time yeah. that it takes and all of that and realized what, it was- The a, time suck. The time suck. That's what we talk about, saving you from the podcast time suck. So started the business and then realized, well, if I'm going to be helping people podcast, it would be a good- authority position to be in or a good uh, expert position to be in to have my own podcast about podcasting. And so our show just gives best practices and tips, things we're learning working with clients. So it's a different perspective than a yeah. lot of the shows that you hear. And I know I was checking out your website and you're constantly growing and evolving. Yeah. And that's the cool part of your show too. As you're learning, you're sharing that with the community and we get to learn with you. And, and your company is growing and evolving and offering more to, yeah. to everyone. Yeah, I would consider now we're pretty much a full service production company. We can do anything anybody wants. We're almost at the point we're even going to offer what I would call concierge type podcasting where 
you're assigned a person who is your podcast consultant and they set up everything for you. So if you're going to record with a guest, they set that up and they invite everybody to come and they record it and they do everything. So, you know, you can literally do nothing except show up. I noticed you have two buttons to the main thing, you know, no experience, brand new. Yeah. Well, you're an experienced podcaster. So that'll start you out on your website journey of finding out what you need. That's amazing. So yeah, you can hold their hand all the way through it or just give them a little things as they need it. Yeah. And part of the reason we did that was to kind of qualify people. Where are you in this? So Mm -hmm. we know going ahead and we have a course. It's, it's a really inexpensive course for what it is. 99 bucks for how to podcast step by step. And so if you click that, I'm a brand new podcaster. It takes you to the course. There is a hand-holding version of that mm. that costs quite a bit more because yeah. it's time-intensive for us. Mm. But the course is a very easy way for anybody to learn yeah. how, to, how to get going. And 99 bucks is not a lot. I mean, no, it's if, not. if you think about it, you know, oh my gosh, well, I could do this, that. You know, people have kids and jobs. But if you're trying to get into something brand new and you want to learn and get a real good grasp and, and a foothold uh, to do something, 100 bucks. It's yeah. not a lot. Just yeah, and my, my thinking on it is, you know, how many of us spent tens of thousands of dollars for a college education we are not yeah. even using yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah, no doubt. And yet, for some reason, that doesn't seem like a wild expense. Right. But 100 bucks for something that could really set your life on a different trajectory and yeah. teach you how to do it right from people who have made the mistakes before you and now can tell you how to avoid those. It's a bargain at any price. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. And me personally, as someone that wants to do it right the first time. Yeah. Because yeah, I've so many times that we've done things and, and you and you find out later, oh man, I should have done it like this. So at 99 bucks, man, you learn how to do it right the first time. Yeah. And the course is something we'll always be updating. So if you yeah. get access to it, you're always going to have access. It's not a limited time thing. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Because things change. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you'll update it and they can... We will update it as things in the industry change. Because, you know, RSS feeds have been around for a long time. Yeah, I yeah. expect that tech's going to improve at times yeah. and, and we'll be able to modify the course. Fantastic. That's unheard of. Yeah, well... It, that you'd let them go back and listen to the updated Yeah, version. to me, there's no reason to gouge people. I mean, I'm here to help. I'm not here to, to get rich. Fantastic. So, yeah. Fantastic. Now, tell me... Uh, let's back all the way up. Yeah. So... What was the first time that you even knew about, like, what the heck is a podcast? Tell me what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how I actually got podcasts on my radar in the first place, but it was somewhere in the transition or prior to the transition out of my previous career into an entrepreneurial space. Okay. And I somehow found out about podcasts. I don't remember how, but I started listening to people like Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income. And And how did you listen? Did you have an iPhone? Yeah, I had a smartphone. Uh, I'm I'm an Android guy, so I I just downloaded an app and started listening and and realizing from hearing other people's stories that there is an option outside of working for someone else. I'd never conceived of that before. I mean, I knew business owners, but they, you know, they had a restaurant or they had a hardware store or whatever and realized, you know, the internet's making it possible for people now to create their own stream of income. It was just unheard of to me. Yeah, yeah. And so working, coming from a blue collar background, I didn't know I could do that. And what year do you, do you remember around? What oh year yeah. That was around 2002, 2003, okay. somewhere around there. Wow. Yeah. Way back then. Yeah. And so I listened for a long time before I took action. It was mm. probably around 20... 10, 20, 12 that I started really getting into it. Sure, sure. Yeah. Now, what flipped the switch? Can you remember when you first decided, you know what, I'm going to make a podcast? Well, uh, I was transitioning out of my previous career. I was a pastor for 20 plus years mm-hmm. and I still love to teach. I just was not 
feeling called to the shepherding of a large group anymore. Mm -hmm. And so to me, a podcast was a great opportunity to still teach. And so I started a podcast, Christian Home and Family, which is still out. And, mm. and I publish infrequently just because my business is rocking so much. But it, it was a great opportunity to teach and teach on things that are close to my heart. You know, the family, parenting, those kinds of stuff. So what was the name of that again? Christian Home and Family. Home and Family. Yeah. And, and you still put I, stuff out? I still put it. stuff out occasionally. It's been probably six months since I've done my last episode. Would you consider that like evergreen content? Oh, yeah. Anybody could go oh, yeah. back and listen to Yeah, it. and there's well over 100 episodes at this point. So it, it is definitely evergreen content. Fantastic. So that would be your first podcast. Yeah. How many other ones have you done? Let's let's go through them. Like, Yeah, you, I have four. You know. There's that one. There is another one called Live, Build, Change, which is living your faith, building a business, and then changing your world as a result. And so it's really the integration of good, authentic Christian faith with good business practices to either generate side income so that you can change your world, pay off debt, help people in your community, whatever, or on a larger scale, fund causes that you really care about. That's really the motivation behind that show is to teach people that it's not only possible, but almost anybody can do it. Amazing. Yeah. And then the third podcast is called Morning Mindset. It's a daily mm. five-minute devotional kind of a thing where we walk through a scripture, talk about mindset. How does that change our lives from a Christian perspective? Those kinds of things. I remember uh, Our Daily Bread. You ever yeah. Familiar with that? Yeah, very, yeah. Very similar to yeah. Our Daily Bread. It's, mm -hmm. it's not as much stories. It's more an exposition of a passage of scripture for about five minutes and talking about applying it to your life today. Excellent. So, so that's like a five-minute It's a five-minute thing. It comes out every morning. You and can, evergreen as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's one that I, I republish every year. So it's kind of like my utmost versus highest. You know, it's mm -hmm. the same thing every year on January 1st. It's always the same one. Okay. Well, this is the same one every January 1st, every January 2nd. But, you know, you don't remember it from last year. So it's, it's so you might even touch on things that are different because your life changes as you evolve yeah. as a person. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Another one? Was there more? Yeah. And then podcastification. Ah. That's it. Those are the four. Nice. Yeah. So with Podcast Fast Track, by your experience, you decided to start that to help people. And what do you say? But with the time suck? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was podcasting by then and knew how long it takes to do the audio editing, how long it takes to write good show notes, how long it takes to publish onto your media host and your website and all. And of course, you get faster at it as you go. Mm. But none of that takes away from the fact that I'm investing at least two hours yeah. prep, recording, and posting, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and content creation every single episode. And as you get bigger ambitions, you want to do it better, which then involves more time. And so that we realized there are a lot of people out there who are very successful at podcasting, but their time is better spent doing other things. No doubt. And so we can provide this service and, and it's exactly those people who we find as good clients. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So uh, you mentioned, let, let's switch gears here and then we're going to go back to talking about your company and podcastification before we finish. But you mentioned that you were an actual pastor for many years. So let's go, let's go back to that. And let's take it back to the early years. Let's talk about uh, your faith as a Christian man. Uh, did you grow up in a Christian family? Was it always part of your life or did something happen that, that you started that journey? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, I grew up in what I call a partially Christian family. My mother was a devoted believer. She mm. became a Christian when my oldest sister was a baby. And so my mom took me to Sunday school the Sunday after I was born. I mean, ah. You know, I was in the nursery. So I, I tell people often I was born out of the sin and degradation of the church nursery. Or I was saved out of that. <laughs> you know, it was it was uh, one of those uh, 
those sort of things, right? I grew up in church, kind of a, a fundamental King James only Bible thumping Baptist church. Had a fairly good upbringing, no, you know, domestic violence in the home or alcoholism or anything like that. Right. But when I got into high school, you know, you get a little off track usually sure, in sure. high school. And then uh, the Lord really grabbed me late in my junior year. Early of high school? In, yeah, early in my senior year. And uh, got involved in some Christian clubs on campus mm. and then went into college and got into Christian clubs at school. What kind of Christian clubs in high school? Because that, that, I had the same. Yeah, effect. actually, we had a, uh, a band instructor who created a Fellowship of Christian Musicians mm. club. And you, were you in that band? Yeah. What'd you yeah, play? I played percussion. Okay. So drums, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, so I was part of the FCM is what we called it, you know, kind of like FCA, same sort of a model. And we had Bible studies, we had events, we did things like that. And so that really helped me get back on track. Not that I had wandered far, but it wasn't a passion. It wasn't my vision to really live a life for Christ that right. mattered. Mm -hmm. And so then moving into college, I knew I needed something like that. So I got involved in, in campus ministries there. Then about a year and a half into my college career, transferred to CCC, you know, Christian University, and started studying youth ministry. And that's where the whole ministry track took off. Fantastic. Yeah. It's funny that some of the things you mentioned uh, are parts of my life as well with very different variations. Yeah. But uh, there's, there's a couple of things there that, that I, I can associate with that, that I've gone through as well. It's yeah. funny. And so, okay. Growing up in a Christian background, Christian family, a lot of times people talk about when were you saved? When did you know that you were a child of Christ? That yeah. kind of thing. So, you know, do you think uh, just, just growing up in that, that lifestyle, do you think it was later that, that you actually, or do you think, you know, what's your, what's your thought process on that? Yeah. Well, I was, I was five years old when on a Sunday evening in our old Baptist church, you know, they gave an invitation and my mom tells the story. I don't remember it, but I walked down the aisle to the altar, which wasn't uncommon. You know, we would often go down and mom would come down and say, well, oh, yeah. what do you want? Yeah. Why are you here? Oh, I want to pray for my friend or the sick cat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I went down this particular Sunday night and she says that I told her I wanted to be saved. And so my mother prayed with me right there at the altar. And again, she tells the story. I don't remember it, but she says, I went to school the next day on Monday in my kindergarten class. And the teacher asked, did anybody learn anything over the weekend? Or did you do anything fun? You know, those kind of things. And I raised my hand and I said, I learned a new song. And she asked, well, what was the song? And I started singing, what can wash away my sins? <laughs> Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, right there in my in my public elementary school. And so, again, I don't remember it, but that's my mom's story. That's amazing. I'm I'm like, my, and my mom's a storyteller, so it could be embellished. Yeah, a bit, yeah, you know? yeah. That is amazing and beautiful. Yeah, so I think it was authentic then. Yeah. And through that, God preserved me from a lot of the mess you could get into in high school. You know, the, the premarital sex and all that. Yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I never went there. There was just something in me that wouldn't let me go mm -hmm. there. But I, I could curse like a sailor and I sure, could, I sure. could, you know, uh, get involved in things I shouldn't and all that. So it, it's not like I was a, this paragon of virtue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think, and, and that's a whole thing. We can get to a whole story about that too, about just the, uh, we are still in this sinful, sin-cursed world. Yeah. And we still have this cursed flesh that we walk around in. Sure. Even if you're the, you know, you try to be the most virtuous Christian man, mm -hmm. you still have this, you know, like Paul talks about, you still have this baggage yeah. of sin that you're in, you know, that, 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 that kind of pushes you those ways. Yeah. It's easy to, to kind of just fall into that. You have to really be every day, constantly rededicating yourself and focusing. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, and the way you said that I really resonate with, because I think Romans seven is very clear that, the power of sin is attached to this mortal body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
and we in our identity and our soul, we are renewed. We are new creations. Right. But it's that but. it's that power of sin still attached to the unredeemed body yeah. that we struggle with. Yeah, and oh it, yeah, it, man, it really can knock us for a loop. That's and that's sure. very real. It that's is very real. My my uh, experience has been finding that either people really understand that and and cannot, or or you know they just say, uh, I'm just living in sin. So I, yeah, I'm a Christian, but yeah, I, you can't, I can't help it. You know, I'll just I'll be there on Sunday and pray. And on the other extreme, you have people that are trying to be these little goody-goody Christians, like, ah, oh, everything's perfect, everything's good. No, it's not. Don't lie. Yeah. It's like yeah. everybody on Facebook, you know, they'll post all the good stuff. And yeah. it's it's not real. It's yeah. like I we struggle the, every day. I know? call it the Facebook face. Yeah. Every, yeah. Everybody puts on their Facebook face. And even I do it and don't realize it. Sure. It's because sure. it's because you post what you're excited about. You yeah, post yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. what you're proud of. You know, those are the things you want people to see. You're not going to post, you know, I struggled with pornography last night for seven hours. You know, or, you know you're not going to you're not going to do no. that. Of course not. Yeah. 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 It's just oh, wow. human nature. That's awesome. You got into youth ministry that you yeah. were going to school for that. And I actually went to a Bible college right here in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia College of Bible. Yeah. When I started college and went to, for youth ministry was my track when hmm. I started. So did you follow through with that? And yeah, what made you become a pastor of a church? Yeah. I, I went into youth ministry. Initially, the position that I was hired for was a, a director of junior high, mm-hmm. which is a whole different animal. Oh, I mean, yeah. You know, junior hires Totally different. Squirrely and, yeah. and you know, all oh, those yeah. dynamics you have to deal with. But it was a very fruitful time. About three and a half years I was in that position. And then two guys that, well, one of the guys I had gone to school with at CCC had started a church, kind of a church plant kind of thing. And uh, he is just this dynamic speaker, grew this large following in the church real quickly and invited me to come on full time as the church administrator. So kind of an associate pastor over all the administrators. Yeah. So that's where I've transitioned from youth ministry into more of an adult kind of a kind of a focus. And from there, got my first in this case, it was a co-pastorate at a church in Hawaii where I was the teaching pastor and I was able to go in. And I made that transition because I realized in a few opportunities I had to speak at this first position that my gifts really are in teaching. And so, mm. so I just had this hunger to explore that gift more and found this position in Hawaii. And a funny story about that is I sent my resume for this listing I'd found on the internet for this position in Hawaii. Mm. And I went home that day and told my wife, you know, I found this position in Hawaii. And she says, we are not moving to Hawaii. God does not want us to move to Hawaii. Really? Yeah. She was just so funny. And now she laughs at it and says, uh, I'm so embarrassed. I shouldn't have said that, but because we were there four and a half years. Wow. Yeah. How was that experience? It was. It I was love to go. I haven't even visited Hawaii. It's yeah, amazing. it was wonderful. the The town we were in is called Mililani. It was right in the middle of Oahu, and it's surrounded by military bases of different mm. sorts. Okay. And so there was this interesting mix of locals mm. and military people yeah. who were there for two years or three years, right. and we had to kind of develop a mindset of we're pouring into some people long term, and others. This is kind of an equipping station to send them out. Right. And so it was a very different model of ministry, but it was very fruitful. That's amazing. Yeah. What a good time. And then when you came back, where was your next job? Yeah, we moved to Castle Rock, Colorado um, in an effort to plant a church. I felt felt like I was supposed to do that. Discovered in the process, I'm not a church planter. Uh, Yeah, different people have that. that I don't have those gifts. I didn't have that mix. But we we did have a fruitful time. Saw a few people come to Christ, spent a year in Castle Rock, and then transitioned to a position in Reno, kind of taking over 
for a church plant there that the pastor's marriage had imploded, mm-hmm. and, and we just kind of stepped in, Step in to, yeah. to fill the reins. Now, let me back up. So would you say a church planter would to start one? Yeah. So for people that don't know what that really means, so so now how does one do that? Because I was always <laughs> wondering, are you backed by like the Baptist coalition? If you're smart, you should be. But yeah, you didn't we do that. Weren't. We weren't. So you we just go to an area, you find an area yeah. you know that God calls you to, you feel, and then you just start doing yeah, what? You, we started meeting people. We started inviting people to our home for a Bible study. We started, and we had some friends in the area, so that helped. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got up to about 18 people, including children, meeting regularly for a weekly Bible study and just could not seem to get beyond that hump. So for a church, you know, you've got to have a little more momentum than that. You've got to, and, and I guess technically that is a church. It's yeah. Believers yeah, no gather. No but it, it was not the model that we had in mind of what we should do. But it's very clear that, that God had us there for that season and people we met there. In fact, we saw one of the women that my wife led to Christ just recently in a Whole Foods. She was working in a Whole wow. Foods and, and just connected immediately. That's awesome. Again. So it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's almost like, it's funny, like I kind of get that feeling in the podcast community. Too. Like, like I remember going to places like, you know, church functions or going to sort of like a camp or something. And it was just this, this family, you know, and it's weird, but I mean, it's definitely not the same thing. Yeah. But I get that same feeling that the yeah. people are generally, it, which is so special. They're generally really good people yeah. that, 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 that do podcasting for the long haul. They kind right. of get into it and get invested in it. Yeah. And they're just good. It's like people you want to be around. Yeah. No. I think the similarity that you're noticing is that most podcasters are podcasting to help someone, yeah. to help someone specific yeah. through the content that they're producing. And I mean, here at the conference, there's people talking about podcasting for social activism reasons. There's people talking about minorities and how to serve them with podcasts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, the service is kind of built into the model. Although, of course, there's corporations that are podcasting purely to brand themselves and market themselves and get a profit. Yeah. You know, But we were talking about this a little bit earlier. Their business, they should be about serving people. That yeah, should be yeah, what yeah, the business yeah. is about. And so I think there's a common DNA. It's just that in the Christian realm, you have this eternal message yes. that you're trying to help people with. That, that's a, I'm so glad you explained that because I was wondering, what is that? And, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's that connection. of. So there's people that, that, that have this desire to share. And they're good people in the universe that you want to be. Yeah. No, even if yeah. they're not sharing the same message. You know that they're that kind of a kind-hearted person. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because we're all made in the image of God, and we all want to have impact. Uh, yeah. You know, whether we're a believer in Christ or not, and right. God uses everyone. Yeah. You know, so it, it, that's not to say those people are quote unquote believers, right? Right. Because they're not. They right. still need the saving grace of Christ, but God's using them to impact people in positive ways. Right. Right. Yeah. There's all. Yeah. There's that. There's that place. That open void that people need to fill. Sure. Whether if it's not Christ and it's something still God made us that way. So yeah. we're, you know, they fill it with something. And so that's amazing. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so now we're going to fast forward back or rewind one or the other to kind of where we are currently today. When I started podcasting, I found out everything I could. Of course, I don't know everything, but Everything I could before I started, so I read books about it. I listened to podcasts about it. I watched videos. I wanted to know the right gear to use. I want to yeah. make sure I try to do it the right way first. At the same time, I always thought about editing. And actually, I, I was starting to do voiceover work first. I did some book narrations, and I learned how to edit and learned how heck hard it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the breathing and the mm-hmm. you know noises. I had to clean all that up. So I thought about maybe doing services, like kind of you're doing with podcast fast track, and offering assist the people but I'm thinking, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that full time you know I want to create you know so anyway I had that kind of vision as well but I put that on the back burner 
just yesterday, I sat in on, I think you were at that same yeah. one, that podcast editing, right? And it, it kind of gave me a fire again. Yeah. And I actually already, two years ago, I bought the domain Make a Podcast. Hmm. I couldn't believe hmm. it was available. I can't believe it was available. Makeapodcast.com. It's great. I have it. Wow. <laughs> and and Twitter, too, at Make a Podcast. Yeah. You ought to just, if, if you're never going to use it, you ought to just put a, a thing on it. This domain is for sale, you know, on your homepage and see what kind of money you can Right. I bet, I bet you somebody's going right. to want that. But it, they yeah. guaranteed they would. Yeah. But yeah. I, I've, hold, I've held on to it thinking that, you know, I may yeah. want to at some point. Yeah. And, and But with this, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I, want, I will. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that as a side thing because I do want to do podcasting full time. That's my mm-hmm. desire. Mm-hmm. But, you know, entertaining i want to entertain people yeah. because life is just so crazy and hectic and i want to give people uh an entertaining listen something they can just walk you know step away from the craziness and if they're having a hard time or whatever just something yeah. they can just shut off their brain and, and just listen and chill out so yeah. but anyway so with that in mind i'm looking at everything you offer and so it made me think and on your website of course, podcasting without the time suck. How'd you come up with that that term? That is a funny story. I had been marketing the business based on we do professional quality audio, we do SEO optimized show notes. I was talking about the ben- the, the features yeah. of what we do, and I had been listening to other podcasts on marketing and that kind of thing. And they always talk about talk about the benefits, not the features. Yeah, you know, what you yeah. get out of it. And I just hadn't been able to land on that. And one morning, early morning, I usually get up fairly early, like 4.30 in the morning, and this was like 3, I just sat up straight in bed with the, the word time in my mind. And it was, it was that's what I'm selling. I'm selling time. I'm giving people back their time. Yes. And so I, I tweaked the message and changed it to saving you from the podcast time suck. And it has resonated. I mean, you've seen me walking yeah. around here at this event. I have t-shirts that say saving you from the podcast time suck with a little vintage looking picture on it and stuff. And people here read the shirt and they go, oh, I know what that means, you know, because it's common to every podcast. Yeah, and yeah. so I feel like it was a God-given message, not that, you know, I heard a voice, but the word was definitely in my mind that morning when I woke up. And it's what's cool about it too, and that's why I love you, because I resonated with your show when I first I heard your show is how I first met you. Besides your lovely, luxurious voice that people <laughs> can hear. And it's just, it's soothing. It's, you know, so that's the one thing. That's funny. You're, you're energy comes through mm. on your show mm. your excitement and it's real that's the real deal it's not fake you're not just selling to, no. to make money yeah. and that's that term says that you're not just selling hey come on we're gonna buy this service yeah it's we really want to help you yeah you know yeah and we've recently kind of modified our approach from a team perspective our message now is still saving you from the podcast time suck, but it's because we care more is what we're saying. And I realize that's a, that's an audacious claim to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in any industry, you've got to set yourself apart some way. I yeah. mean, anybody can do editing. Anybody can do show notes. Right, anybody right. can do what we do. Right. Even as well as we do it. So what what's going to make us different? Yeah. And for us, it's, I realized as a Christian man, it's got to be that I care about you more. Yeah. I, I care about your success. I care about the message. I care about everything you're doing. And so we really are working hard and I've been able to assemble a team of people who really resonate with that and they want to care for the clients. They really do from every email interaction to every product that we provide. Yeah. We want it to be a reflection of that care. 
Amazing. Now, you people that work for you, yeah. are they all local working with no. you, like at home? No, I have I have two people in my in my town mm-hmm. who work for me, yeah. but we don't have a common office. We're all virtual, so to speak. Yeah. But then I have people all over the country. I have uh, people in the in the New England area. I have people mm-hmm. on the West Coast. I have a guy in Scotland who works for me. Nice. Just all over. And that's why podcasting has become something that's blowing up. I mean, mm-hmm. It's still small. It's a baby. But right. because of technology, it's amazing. Yeah. So how we can have people work all over the place and, and connect over yeah. the Internet. Yeah, so it's that's, cool. That's super cool. All right. So let's get specific now. Podcast Fast Track. Just a couple things that I saw that I had question for is of what you offer. So editing. All right. Yeah. So when I hear editing, so what does that mean? Are you just going in and taking out the ums and ahs? What, but you offer more than that. Yeah, we can do that. We try to have a very clear conversation with every client from the beginning, asking what are you looking for in mm. your editing? Because some people want it very raw. They, don't, they want the ums and ahs because yeah. they feel like it makes them more human. Other people are looking for something more polished, more professional. Yeah. And then some are wanting what I would call editorial edits where they have a guest on who is an expert in their field and very smart, but not very well-spoken. Yes. And so they stammer and stumble and restate themselves seven times before they get to their point. Mm -hmm. And some clients want us to editorially edit out a lot of those pre-statements and make it more punchy by getting right to the main answer. Mm -hmm. And it makes the people sound as smart as they really are, is what it winds up doing. Someone in the session we were referring to yesterday said... There's something intangible about that kind of editing where when you listen to that episode, you say, this show's better. I can't really say I why, don't know why, but this show's better. Mm. And it's because it's easier to listen to. It's easier to understand yeah. because you don't have all those foibles that happen in normal conversation. Yeah. And a lot of times I've noticed myself, and I'm sure it's the same with most people. When you're listening to a certain podcast you might like, you may stop listening at some point because if they don't have that yeah. going on, you get bored with it or you find like, man, these people, it's just taking so long to get to the, and eventually you get tired of it and you just, yeah. you don't even know why, but you stop listening. Yeah. Or there's nothing about it that really stands out in terms of what you get out of it because it's all kind of buried in all this verbiage yeah. that other people don't take out. Right, right, right. All right. Next up, you have intros and outros that you mm-hmm. offer. So I imagine that means that you have people doing voiceover work for that. Yeah, we have voiceover people on retainer, so to speak. We have musicians who can compose. Original yeah, I noticed music. that too. Custom music. Yeah. yeah, and so we can we can get one or both of those. We can mix it together for you. We can produce it with the right levels and volume and all that stuff, so that. If you need an intro and outro or even sponsor messages, we can put those things together for you. Yeah. So you have certain people and I this popped out to me because as a voice artist that I've done some, you know, amateur voice work. So uh, you have certain people, like, how did you find these people? Are they, yeah, just have, like, they're not part of your regular they're not company. My, they're not my regular team. They're professional voice people. The subcontractors yeah, that you subcontract. And so when we have a client who wants something, we ask things like, do you want a male or female voice? What accent? Do you want professional or boy next door sound? You know, what do you want? And we find the artist who can do that. And we receive the script from the client, pass it on to that person. We pay them and then the client pays us yeah. for the work. Right, and, right. And we, client doesn't like something, we have them tweak it and we provide what the client wants eventually. Right. So, I mean, you're a voiceover guy. If you want to be on the team, let's talk about that. Because Fantastic. We, we do like to work with people we know. Yeah, yeah, really sure, matters. sure, sure, sure. And the same thing with the composers. Now, I don't know all the composers because it's it's hard to personally know someone gifted in music to that degree. Yeah, unless that's your world that you're yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
But I do have a handful of composers who have created great stuff for us in the past. And what we do is if a client wants a certain genre or style of music, we'll say, pass us a link from YouTube of the type of music you like or a a particular song you like. And we'll have our composer compose something similar and provide a release for you to use the music uniquely. No one else can use that music. So, you know, for 175 bucks, how can you beat that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This way, you already have gone through the work of finding these people that are professional and going to do it Mm -hmm. right. And they'll be able to give you an idea and you'll find specifically what they need. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, you know, someone will say, hey, I want it to sound like Journeys. Don't stop believing. Yeah. Well, we can create something in a similar sound. Of course, Mm -hmm. we can't cop the song. Yeah, yeah. But we provide a similar sound that is unique to them so that, like you've mentioned on my podcast, the music is unique Amazing. to my show. You it's don't punchy, hear it. It's yeah. fun. You yeah. don't hear that anywhere else. Yeah. And it's the same thing. If you're going to be serious about your podcast and brand it for yourself, you need something that's unique to you. Yeah, love yeah. it. And I'm hearing it in my head now. Yeah, yeah. It's just like when you, when you start up your show, you get a new episode, yeah. I hit it. It's just like, it's got that bass too going, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, and you get in the mood to learn. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Because that music, music's powerful. Oh, yeah. And it, it's it's a whole language. And mm-hmm. then just hearing that, a lot of people might not even know, why, why am I feeling good? What, yeah. And it gets you ready. And then you sure. come on talking. It's like, Sure. Wow, okay. See, and I made a mistake in the opposite direction. The morning mindset we talked about. The music I chose for the first half of the year was in a minor key, and it was kind of moody feeling. Uh-huh. And I had people responding to me, quite a few, saying, you know, is there any way you can take out the music? Because it <laughs> kind of depresses me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And you, to your point, music is powerful. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, so it's important to use it right. Yeah. Use it correctly. Yeah. And see, here I am, a professional, quote unquote, at this, and I made a mistake. Yeah. You know, it's you, you got you to gotta spend the time to do it right. Yeah. And like we've already said, said we already said that you're learning and growing and as you learn and grow the business continues to learn and grow and do it better yeah Yeah. and in the podcast i want to pass that on to other people yeah teach them those lessons yeah 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 yeah. last thing about podcast fast track i saw email lead magnets yeah so me as Mm -hmm. i'm a performer i want to talk to people i want to entertain so uh, but i've always been interested everybody talks about these you know if you're going to be an entrepreneur you have to have these emails and this so tell me about that what what do you offer and what does it do? yeah so example uh, say you have a guest on your show and they're talking about the five steps toward good content marketing okay our team, if we were providing lead magnets for you, first of all, you'd have to have a setup like convert kit or lead pages or something like that that can capture email addresses. And then and that's built into our website? Yeah, you would, you, would ha- you would have to have some sort of service like that. Where they subscribe? Yeah. You sh- yeah. So you can grab email addresses, addresses and yeah. provide something in return. Yeah. Okay. So what we would do is our show notes writers would go through your episode as they're writing the show notes and they would be taking down those five points and they would be figuring out, okay, how can I write this in a compelling way that's like a checklist or an action sheet or something the listener could actually use Mm. to do these five steps. And then we would have a template created already with your branding, your colors, your website on it, all that sort of stuff. And we'll format this in a visually appealing graphic that we'll create into a PDF format. We'll integrate it into that episode's show notes page. So that when you're recording the episode, you can confidently say, we will have an action sheet for you on the show notes page for this episode where you can download and receive these five steps as an action sheet you can take action on. You know, So it's like a call to action yeah. in your podcast episode. You're able to verbally speak 
people go to your website, they give you their email address in exchange for this particular thing. And you're building a way to connect with your audience personally because now you have their email address. Right. right. And you can build relationship, you can make new offers, you can, you know, all kinds of things using that email address just depending on your business philosophy. Yeah. But the lead magnet is a way to offer something helpful and free yeah. in exchange for an email address. So it sounds like what I'm hearing you were saying in an episode. Yeah. You would have that. So is it something where people would have this email grabber technology yeah. that you'd offer something to get people's emails first exactly. uh, so that you'd have them in your database? So it's not just one thing that would just be part of your domain. You're saying better would be for each episode. You would yeah. add something different. Yeah. Every episode have a different resource or every third episode. Mm. It doesn't have to be every episode, but you're creating more content, more ways to help your audience relevant to the audio they just listened to. Because how many times have you listened to a podcast episode and you go, oh man, that stuff was so great. Yes. I got to do this stuff. Yeah. But you don't have a practical way because you were driving or you were exercising. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't take notes. You could just go right to the webpage, enter your email address, and it's emailed to you. Can Here's you give me an example? Issue. Like what's one of the last ones you've used? Like with Yeah, so we, so we have a client who often okay. teaches people about uh, how to do Amazon private label sales, you know, sourcing products from China and selling it on Amazon. And that yeah, is that a reseller? Is yeah, that he's, okay. he's like a reseller. And so he has often, you know, five steps to set up your product or mm. five steps to source a good product right. or whatever. And so we just take the information he shared audibly. And we put it on this sheet mm. so that people can enter their email address. Here it comes to their email box. They have the resource right in their hand there yeah. so they can take action. So it's more than just the show notes. It's like the yeah. show notes come alive, that specific yeah. golden nugget, yeah. and you're giving it to them in their email. Sure. And sometimes a lead magnet might look like an infographic. You know, mm. It might look like something catchy to remind you or you can study to learn the process, you know, Fantastic. whatever it is. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's something I definitely, and I know I'll keep putting it off. But it's one of those things. So what do you think, what is the power now? So now I have everybody's email address. What am I, as a podcaster now, of course you have the business. So there's a way you can kind of reach them and let them know if you're having sales or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Me as an entertainer, yeah. uh, doing my entertainment podcast, was there a reason I would need all those emails? What would I do with that? Well, how else do you get feedback from your listeners if they yeah, it would just contact be, you directly? They, they leave yeah. contacts or Twitter yeah. or through Facebook yeah. Messenger. So, so it's another way for you to reach right out and perhaps take a survey. What do you think of the format of the show? I'm thinking about making this change. What's your response? You know, yeah. get survey responses. Get people helping you create the content by helping you know what they want. Yeah. And that really is the way you do any kind of business mm. or any kind of movement is find out what your target audience needs and yeah. wants and then you provide it. Or how are you going to know if you can't talk to them? That's awesome. And the email is how you do that. I'm getting the uh, two-minute marks. So we yeah. got to start to wrap up. So if you have not yet, if you, I know if you're listening to me, you know about podcasts. Some of you may be podcasters yourself or be interested in learning how to be one. And some of you just might like to listen to cool podcasts. So Podcastification is definitely one of my must-listens. It's on my auto-download. I get notification when a new show comes on. It's a lot of fun. No matter what he's talking about, I learn. And even if something I already know, it's just cool to hear his, Carrie Green's different point of view and take on it. So tell us where we can find you. Uh, how, what's the best way to talk to you? You know, Are you on Twitter and Facebook or is it just the one-stop website to find Yeah, you? well, I'm on all those places, but it's just easier to email me directly. It's Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at podcastfasttrack.com. And then obviously podcastfasttrack.com, you can contact through there as well. 
Nice, excellent. And that's how I reached out to you actually to, to talk about uh, sitting together today. Yeah. Know? So it's cool to know that, yeah, you know, you're going to respond. And yeah, I answer my own email. You're not email. too big for yourself. You know, you just, no, no. It, I mean, I've, I finally got to inbox zero. And I work hard to keep it there, right. You know, so I re- I have to reply right away. It's yeah. kind of a personal conviction. Yo, so. excellent. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same way. What you can't let that get out of hand. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Then you have to just delete it all and offend a ton of people. And just before we finish, you're helping out here. This you have been helping with this. Why we're recording here, this yeah. group. So Talkshoe is providing this, right? These microphones that are amazing. The Heil, right? Heil yeah. Sound. Yeah. So just t- who is this sponsor? Yeah, TalkShoe people- is a media host. So they, ah. they host media and they also can do live broadcasting. Heil Sound, uh, these microphones we're using are called yeah. PR40. These are some of the best podcasting yes. mics in the industry. So they're just providing it as sponsors for the And event. they sound good. Oh, they're great. Mm. Yeah. So they can make even the, the worst <laughs> sound a little better. Yeah, yeah. 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 I awesome. mean, we have a noisy environment here, but as you, you can probably hear the sound in the background, but it still sounds great yeah, because yeah. of the mic. Is, is it TalkShoe.com? Yeah, know? I believe so. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so there's another thing. And of course, as I tell everybody, it's in the show notes. Yeah. Check the show notes. There's show notes in the show notes. So, It's promo time. Hey, CA. Yes, Chris? You know when you accidentally borrow your roommate's car to go to Wawa because it's 3 a.m. and you don't want to wake them? Accidentally? But then you also bump into the back of a police cruiser in the parking lot of a Wawa because frankly, and I don't understand why no one understands this, you haven't had any coffee yet. And for some reason, the cop gets out in a huff and wants to make a federal case out of the situation, even though it was raining cats and dogs. And so now the said friend has to bail their car out of the impound lot. Okay. (laughs) Well, now you can make up for your mistakes with a gift certificate from tabletoploot.com. Simply click on the gift certificate button (laughs) on any page of their website, choose the denomination you think would cover the scratches from a tow truck, pay, and then forward their gift certificate directly to the inbox of the person in your life whom you have wronged. (laughs) No, no. I feel like these things don't equate. Giving a wronged friend the opportunity to buy dice, shirts, tote bags, and more at Tabletop Loot is a great way to say mea culpa that's latin for my guilt which was an expression used by the ancient romans in religious ceremonies when they wanted to confess all right all right all right all right i'm in i'm in clearly you can pay for the car theft with gift certificates tabletop loot loot for every table and now back to our show tea time Welcome to Tea Time, our new segment where we check the so-called facts from the underside of a popular beverage tea brand, who shall remain nameless, till they pay us. (laughs) (laughs) I will read a series of snap cap questions, uh, or facts rather, and then you tell me whether you think they are true, false, or huh? Now, help me out here. What is the huh one? What, What does that mean? So if something is literally unknowable, if it's an opinion, if it's not a fact, if it's something that okay. you know uh, uh, can't really be researched properly, mm. yeah. uh, you can give that as an outside chance. They're incredibly rare. Incredibly rare. Think, think really true or false. Everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready. Perfect. Snap cap fact number 344. I'm sorry. I did that incorrectly. Let me start again. <laughs> Snap cap fact 344. <laughs> Leonardo da Vinci discovered that a tree's rings... Reveal its age. That hurts. 
<laughs> Leonardo da Vinci. That is not a voice you're supposed to do no. for a long time. I think not. Was that Mr. Bill? I don't I don't remember. That was my face from last week. <laughs> Cuz it was in your box, get it? It's funny. Yes. Don't worry, it will be on the highlight reel. <laughs> I don't know if Leonardo da Vinci came up with this. I know the rings on the tree is true. So now I don't know. The rings on the tree is definitely true. Uh-huh. But was it Leonardo da Vinci? Mm. Mm, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, without cheating and typing in Google. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's try to do this for real. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm just guessing. It's 50-50. Uh, I'm going to say no, it's not true. False. I'll go with true. All right. And the answer is false. Oh. Good. No. Theophrastus was a uh, a writer, a historian uh, in ancient Greece. Uh, he lived around 300 BC. And in one of his books, which has somehow survived through the centuries, he actually talked about uh, the rings in a tree and how they revealed the tree's age. Uh, so this was definitely well known uh, well before Leonardo da Vinci. However, Leonardo da Vinci did contribute to the uh, tree ring uh, science, which is called dendrochronology. And uh, basically, his uh, understanding is that when he looked at the rings, he realized that the width of the rings indicated environmental conditions. So, for instance, the rings would become fatter in years when the tree, uh, when it was, you know, like heavy rains or lots of sunshine, so on and so forth. Uh, and in years where the winters were particularly harsh or there were other mitigating factors, or those rings would narrow considerably. And so he is considered the godfather of dendrochronology, if you will, simply because he made those observations. Uh, but the understanding that the tree's rings reveal its age predated him by several centuries. Hey, godfather of dendrochronology. Yeah. <laughs> Jump back, kiss myself. <laughs> Tree rings, by the way, only happen on trees in temperate zones. Uh, so, for instance, you cannot cut a palm tree in half and count its rings. That makes sense. I mean, because they're so small, too, though. They really they? are. Palm trees don't really get that thick. The oak tree is saying, you call me fat? <laughs> <laughs> Snapcat fact number 1179. William Henry Harrison owned a pet goat while in office. Is that one of our presidents? Who was it? <laughs> William Henry Harrison was indeed one of our presidents. Had a pet goat. True. First it was a bear, but the other one has goat. All right. Uh, true. Uh, you wimp. You wimp. <laughs> William Henry Harrison was, in fact, our ninth president, inaugurated on March the 4th, 1841. William Henry Harrison has the distinction of being the shortest term of any president in history, having died uh, three weeks later from a cold that he contracted uh, at the end of the month. Now, he did live in the White House, albeit for a very, very short time, and uh, when he first arrived, he brought one billy goat huh. named Old Whiskers. <laughs> Whiskers was famous for two reasons, one being one of only two goats to live at the White House, um, and his second claim to fame is that he once kidnapped the president's two children. Uh, when he was hooked to a carriage that they were taking a photograph on, uh, he bolted and ran through the uh, city of Washington. Uh, with the president in tow, uh, waving his cane wow. uh, and screaming obscenities. That's intense. You can also consider it uh, the first presidential kidnapping. 
Oh, wow. Wow. That really took, that took way too long for me. It took me a second. Holy crap. (laughs) Snapcat fact number 971. Charlie Chaplin failed to make the finals of a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. Who was it that failed? Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin failed. I feel like that's funny and true. Uh, True. Final answer. Copy me. Ah, I said true first. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. All right. And the answer is false. (laughs) No. No, it's true. I happen to know this one. He actually (gasps) lost in a lookalike contest. So uh, hold on to your butt. Look it up. Hold on to your butt. (laughs) Charlie Chaplin. Uh, is very famous uh, uh, actor from the silent era. Yeah. Um, he was in over 40 films uh, beginning in 1914. Uh, he was so popular that in 1915, he began a new fashion trend called the Chaplin mustache. Uh, little known fact, Charlie Chaplin's uh, uh, mustache was not real. It was a prop that he used to add to his face, uh, not entirely unlike Groucho Marx. Uh, he used to use shoe polish for his. Charlie Chaplin was friends with an actress named Mary Pickford. And one day, Mary Pickford made up the story that Charlie Chaplin failed uh, to win a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. Uh, In her version, he came in 20th out of a possible 29 people. Uh, The story was picked up exclusively by British tabloids, um, appearing in the Straight Times of Singapore, uh, the New Zealand newspaper Poverty Bay Herald, and an Australian newspaper as well. Um, it never once appeared in an American newspaper. It does not appear anywhere in any of Charlie Chaplin's notes, records, or most importantly, in his autobiography. And one would think that for a showman like Charlie Chaplin, he would have mentioned losing one of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. This is uh, this is what we do here. We destroy dreams. Snapcat fact number 55. A human brain weighs around three pounds. Um, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say false. I think it's heavier. And it may depend on the person, too. (laughs) The answer is true. Not fucking it. (laughs) Uh, It has been measured on numerous occasions, including heading back into the 1800s. The average human brain weighs about three pounds. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, the average human skull weighs only 2.5 pounds. So the brain is heavier than its container. But can't some brains be heavier than others? Yeah, Grizz is about five pounds. Yes. Presumably with brain damage, if you take a gunshot <laughs> oh, wound, um, if you were a small infant, uh, then yes, there would be some sort of uh, discrepancy there. But the average weight is three pounds. I was saying that you were smarter, so it's heavier. Thank oh. you. Good one. Snapcap fact number 58. A sneeze travels out of your mouth at 100 miles an hour. Wow, that's fast. I mean, I feel like it's so slow to get to the sneeze point. (laughs) (laughs) But once you look up into the light, bam, it's flying out. (laughs) True. I don't know. Dave is pretty smart. And confident. I only have a three-pound brain, though. (laughs) I mean, a hundred. That's that's just so fast. I can't be right. Yeah, just say false. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think it's true. False. And the answer is false. No, I won one. Ah. <laughs> so, 
Uh, let me just say that in researching this, this is the single most disgusting thing that I have ever uh, <laughs> witnessed in my life. Okay. And frankly, I almost quit the show. Oh my. <laughs> so let's start with, there are three reasons why this is false. Reason number one, the Mythbusters said so. Uh, the Mythbusters did an entire, not an entire episode, but an entire segment uh, dedicated to the sneeze myth, and they clock their sneezes at 37 miles an hour. Reason number two is that, grammatically speaking, it's the cloud of mucosaliva that moves, not the sneeze. The sneeze is an action. It's not the goo that is coming uh, out. Yes. So you could also uh, fault it on that account. But most importantly, reason number three is that there is a woman named Lydia Borubia. And she is known affectionately as the Sneeze Lady. She works at MIT. And she did a study called the Visualization of Sneeze Ejecta, which is, and I can't stress this enough, the most disgusting thing that I have ever seen. And frankly, I almost quit the show. <laughs> she used high-speed cameras to capture the violent sneeze events of uh, numerous college students, stoners, anyone who was willing to accept $10 to stand in front of a camera. And she set the mark at 78 miles an hour. It was the fastest sneeze that they could possibly create. Um, and so nowhere near the 100 miles an hour uh, of the fact. Cool. Yes. Uh, for what it's worth, germs can travel up to 8 meters. That's 26 feet in a rainbow arc from your mouth in, outwards in generally whatever direction your head is facing. Uh, it is extremely important for you to cover your mouth uh, whenever you have a sneeze. That way you don't contaminate the people around you. Covering your mouth uh, limits that arc down to about one meter. So that is significantly better. Help your friends out. Sneeze in your sleeve. True that. True that. Yes. And if somebody next to you sneezes in public, I think that scientifically speaking, you are within your rights now that you know this to punch them right in the face. Yes. Or just put your sleeve up to their nose. Yes. Ew. <laughs> when in doubt, share a sleeve. <laughs> that ain't happening. That should be uh, like on a sign <laughs> on the SEPTA train. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> with a, with an illustration face. of two stick figures, one with the other guy <laughs> with his arm in his nose. <laughs> Snapcat fact number 733. All scorpions glow. True. False. No, I've seen it. You said all scorpions? All scorpions no glow. No take backs. All right, true. And the answer is false. False. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst, Steve. <laughs> So let's begin with uh, some word fun. Uh, the word glow means to give out steady light without flame uh, or to shine with or as if with an intense heat. Scorpions fluoresce. And the difference there is that they absorb light at a short wavelength and then emit light at a longer wavelength. And that is very specific language, which is what scorpions do. UV light as it comes in either from a UV flashlight, which you might be hand, you know, holding in your hand to find scorpions in the wilderness, or from the moon. Uh, UV light can bounce off of the moon and then travel to the earth you know, where it then interacts with the scorpion. Uh, that UV light is invisible to human eyes. However, when it hits the scorpion, that short wavelength is then elongated and becomes a bright cyan color. Uh, and that brightness changes depending upon how full the moon is or how bright your flashlight is. So no scorpions glow. That's sad. 
And if you think about it, it actually doesn't make sense that a predatory arachnid would glow in the dark. They would all starve to death because their, you know, prey would be able to see them coming from a mile away. <laughs> Scorpions do have incredibly sensitive eyes, which can actually see UV light. Um, however, unlike humans, which have three or four types of uh, color receptor in their eyes, scorpions only have the one, which allows them to see in blue-green. Interesting. Yes. But wait, that one scorpion and predator was glowing. Oh, was he? That was predators. Yeah, like I, I went vision. to a convention where they lit up a scorpion. But they didn't cause him to glow. They caused him to fluoresce. True. And so I spent a lot of time looking for the chemical that causes this to happen. And we don't know what that is. So <laughs> I will include a note to the closest thing that we have to a comprehensive study on why scorpions glow in the uh, description below. But as of right now, nobody knows exactly what is causing the light to change. Interesting. Snapcap fact number 88. A 10-gallon hat holds less than a gallon of liquid. If it could hold liquid. I don't even know if it would hold liquid. We're assuming that it could hold liquid. One would assume if you wrapped it in duct tape, it could hold anything. So it's just asking if it can hold a gallon of liquid. Correct. Well, I'm, I'm picturing my knowledge of a 10-gallon hat. I think it's about the size of a gallon, but I don't. I, uh, I can't. I never actually wore one, so I can't say. False. True. <gasps> you just said it because I went for false. <laughs> you waited for me, savage. <laughs> And the answer is true. <laughs> so for what it's worth, 10 gallons is about the size of a standard rectangular fish tank. Uh, you know, like one of, one of the ones you would buy from the pet store or Walmart or something like that. Um, which are 22 inches by 12 inches by 13 and a half inches. So picture that much water. Uh, certainly would not fit into a 10 gallon hat. Uh, a 10-gallon hat will actually hold three-quarters of a gallon, making the statement true, as it is less than a gallon. 10-gallon uh, hats weren't actually popular with cowboys in real life. Uh, cowboys in real life uh, wore top hats and bowlers. 10-gallon uh, hats were used in the movies, uh, specifically in silent movies, in order to identify the hero by the size of his white hat and his villainous nemesis by the size of his black hat. Obviously, you wanted the biggest hat that you could, uh, so, thus, they wore 10-gallon hats. Um, the word 10-gallon is actually Spanglish. Cowboys lived in and around the proximity of Mexico, and uh, so they picked up Spanish words, and in the process of converting them over to English, sometimes things sounded funny and would change. There are a bunch of different Spanglish words. I'll go through them in a minute, but for the 10-gallon hat, the Spanish phrase un sombrero tan galán which means such a nice hat, uh, is where the etymology of 10-gallon comes from. It's tan-galan. Other Spanglish words, lasso, which means tie, ranch, which means small rural community, tornado, which comes from the Spanish word tornar, meaning to turn, uh, bronco, which means rough, mustang, which means untamed, and there are six U.S. states and several famous cities, including Las Vegas and Fresno, all of which come from Spanish. Interesting. Indeed. Am I winning? <laughs> and the drum roll. No. Um, no, wait. Is that our last snap cap? That is, in fact, the last of the snap caps. No way. It feels shorter. 
David has won. There's no score way, of like, five to no, two. No, wait, I was I couldn't redeem myself. It went so fast. <laughs> There's normally like seven caps where the other ones go. Some facts are uh, factier than others. I want my mm. caps. What's in the cap? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough beat, but somebody's got to do it. You know what I saw this week? Uh, and this is, I guess, off topic here a little bit, but uh, there's this guy. He's an actor. His name is uh, Ethan Peck. And apparently, he's going to be our next Spock uh, in the show Star Trek Discoveries. He's going to play Spock. And uh, I was concerned that this man is stunningly sexy. I mean, as guys go. I don't, I'm not really into that thing, but mm-hmm. everyone seems to say so, and I agree. Is Spock supposed to be sexy? No. Why not? Why can't Spock be sexy? Because he's a brainiac. So what? They're not supposed to be sexy. Um, Leonard on Big Bang's a brainiac, and I'd tap that. <laughs> well, there's a difference between being drunk and helping out a buddy versus, you know, <laughs> seeking out a, uh, a svelte. This man is, like, benching hundreds of pounds. He looks like a thinner rock. I would have to see a picture. Mm, yeah, I'm looking that up now. All right, so type IMDB Ethan Peck. Ethan Gregory Peck. We will wait. Ethan. Ah. This entire discussion is hinged <laughs> on your ability to see this man's uh, manliness. Okay, I'm getting. I'm only getting headshots, and I can see him definitely being Spock. He's got the face for it. Yeah, he definitely does. The eyebrows too. I don't see the sexiness though. So. Well, he's I'm okay with buff. It. He's very buff. To pump you up. <laughs> as long as he plays him as the intellectual that Spock is supposed to be, yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, he's not like, it's not like Thor. That's what I was envisioning, something like Thor playing Spock. Like, this oh. man looks like he should be either fast or furious, okay? He looks like he should be fleeing from the police in some sort of stolen vehicle. <laughs> His body is a big build, but who knows? A lot of actors, they put themselves through crap to look like their characters. Maybe he'll lose a shit ton of weight and stop lifting. See, I, I don't know where you you guys are looking at these body shots. Damn, I'm looking at headshots. Well, I got like from boobs up. It's <laughs> it's my understanding that he caught a cab in New York City last week, and three women passed out on the sidewalk. That's how hot this man is. I find it it's disjointing to me that he All would right, be. Smart. I put Ethan Peck body. Oh, oh. Leonard Nimoy wasn't hot. No, not at all. I, I think as long as he, I'm okay with him looking at him. As long as he plays, is he a good actor and he can play the role, I'm okay with it. But yeah, as far as coming across as sexy as Spock, hell no. I may watch more Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, as long as he doesn't take his clothes off on the show, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I haven't watched Discoveries yet because you got to freaking pay for it. So mm-hmm. I'm pissed off at that. But uh, I love Star Trek, so I would I would definitely watch it if I didn't have to pay extra. I saw uh, the end of Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan when he was like clawing down the window. He looked like he was shriveled like a raisin. I feel like that's the appropriate <laughs> level of sexiness for a Spock. Shriveled like a raisin. Let's hope that's not copywritten because that's going in. <laughs> Shriveled like a raisin. <laughs> oh, God. Have you played Star Trek Online, Chris? I did. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, recently, about uh, about three or four uh, three or four months ago. Yeah. Do you have a quick take on it? 
Um, yes, no. So the answer, answer is yes, I do. Uh, I was disappointed, and here's why. When you first start the game and there's like this uh, kind of intro segment, um, yeah. you join the, the crew of a, of a ship and your like professor at the school is the captain of the ship and you're going out on this grand round. And so you walk up and the, and the, the captain says, hey, you know, we just got this call from, you know, this ship that's in trouble. What do you think we should do? And it gives you three options. And one of the options was like, you know, shields up. And then the other one was, let's scan them from a distance. And I was like, this is great. I totally want to answer these questions yeah. and like sculpt this amazing story. And then immediately... That was all over, okay? It, you went immediately from this great tutorial session into I'm going to move this ship around the galaxy. And for me, I, I just kind of, it fizzled out. So for yeah, me, yeah, that, yeah. it didn't work out. Yeah, I, I, um, I just started playing it last week. I just jumped in. And I actually played the Klingon one. And uh, it started with right on the ship, like you said. But I was a lieutenant um, underneath the, whatever, the captain yes. and the, the second in command. And then the something happened, and then the second in command had was gonna battle the captain for the right to take over, and he gets killed, or she does. And then I had to fight him, and I took over. So I'm now I'm the captain of the ship. And then you, then right after that, yeah, you're just thrown out into this thing. And then I did a couple of things. I, I went to dock some kind of port, walked around a little bit. That was cool. And then they sent me on this my first mission, and I I, I keep dying. Yes, I have same. like five Federation ships blowing me up. I'm like. Fuck. So I'm like, this sucks. I like I haven't gone back to it. Yeah. I just frustrating. And I you know, what I did was I actually went out online and I spent a little bit of time watching other people play the game and tips and tricks and that sort of stuff just to see if there was anything that and I just I I wasn't feeling it. So I decided That's a shame. It is. Yeah, especially you know, people like us really like the Yeah. The the lore. We are controlling transmission. Somebody want to intro me? What's in the box? Yay. <laughs> Is that my intro? <laughs> I like it. All yeah. right. <laughs> and now for what's in the box. There box, you go. Box. Box, box, box. Day two of your unfortunate incarceration finds you holding up surprisingly well. Despite the nearly constant hurling of foodstuffs at your face by pirates and other passersby. Unsurprisingly, your stock stands with your back to the bank, so as to give the street urchins a good target for their rotten eggs, and your front facing the guardhouse, where they took all of your supplies and possessions right before they clamped you in wood. For almost 40 hours, you've been taking all of this in stride, but then you notice something that makes your blood boil. Through the window of the station, you see a familiar face. It's the bald, swarthy bastard that started all this mess. He's wearing a guard's uniform and appears to be coming on duty. Behind him, you can make out several other guards rifling through your possessions. When Mr. Clean steps through the front door of the guard station, he catches your eye, <laughs> winks, and heads off to the west, presumably to murder a kitten. As he passes by Molly, who is tied up nearby, he slaps her on the rump. Right then and there, you decide that revenge shall be yours. But first, to get out of your predicament. You spend an exhausting half an hour attempting to get one of your shoes off without the use of your arms or attracting suspicion. Now getting deeper into the night, you observe that the other unfortunates around you are sleeping. 
you begin your mad escape. Using your surprisingly dexterous toes, you deftly snake your foot into the key holder at the base of the pole and retrieve the keys. In a maneuver that you shall henceforth call the better than Beckham, you manage to fling the keys into your hand. It isn't until well after midnight when you finally hear the tumblers fall into place and the lock pop off. When a short burly guard walks past on his rounds, he is clueless to your realistic freedom. Once the coast is clear, you sprint across the wide street in front of the guardhouse to the front door and peek through the window. Inside, you can see that all the beds are empty and no guards are in sight. Your possessions are strewn about. You rush in. You gather them up as fast as you can and hastily throw your armor over your cabbage-covered prison garb. You are about to beat a hasty retreat when something unusual catches your eye. It's a box. And it's moving. Clearly, something is alive inside and attempting to get out. As whatever it is struggles, it causes the box to slide back and forth on top of a filing cabinet by the side door. The box is wooden, stained with the skull and crossbones, and about as long as a loaf of bread. It has a lid that is held in place by two hooked latches. As you pick up the box, you hear angry growling inside. <laughs> The noise is incredibly distracting, but not as distracting as the massive human pectoral muscles you smack into as you blindly turn to leave. It's Mr. Clean, and he looks pissed. Oh no, run away. Staring unblinkingly into your soul, he unhooks the crossbow he keeps hooked to his belt. Having stolen and sold thousands of tranquilizer darts in your career, you recognize the one already in place as the Beastminder 400cc. Only one thing left to do. It's time for a distraction. You open the lid, and a massive, foaming badger jumps forth and grabs the guard by the face. As you head for the door, habit forces you to look inside the now half-empty box. My question for you is this. What's in the box? Dave, I want to know what's in your box. Oh, my God. That's All funny. Right, CAI so... wanted to know what was in your box. That's too late. Oh, man. Dave, did you want to know what's in my box? Yeah. Oh, you have a box? What's in your box? Uh-oh. It's badger feces, which is incredibly <laughs> valuable in this particular realm. It's is, It's practically gold. It's the kind of guano that you could make small, uh, bombable, you know, like uh, petards and things like that. Little tiny bombs you can make out of, uh, you know, badger feces. That's gross. Yeah, there's also scratch marks and various other signs of wear. <laughs> I'm probably not going to keep this particular box. I'm going to ignore your box now. Oh, thank you. Dave, what's in your box? Uh, I just switched it like three times with that story. Oh. All right. Maybe there's I'll, three boxes. I'll choose option B. <laughs> um, it is a blade, a long knife. Yes. Mm. Any inscriptions on it? I'll ask the questions around here. Are there any inscriptions <laughs> on it? Uh, nothing you can read as a language. There are designs carved into it, shapes. Um, there is a beautiful gold scabbard. The hilt itself has a red, uh, some kind of red scarlet ruby or something uh, in it. 
Now, is it, is it red because uh, the badger cut himself while he was in there, or is it red because it's, uh, you know, that color jumps down? <laughs> it is a sapphire. Okay. Yeah. Does it contain the rage of the badger? Is it part, are they Ooh. connected in some way? I don't know. You have to pick it up. Ooh. Ooh. You're going to touch it? Don't of course, it. it has to be me, right? <laughs> Fine. I grab the badger blade. What happens? Uh, do I start? I start foaming, <laughs> don't blade. I? <laughs> uh, you pick it up. And then you hear in your mind, feed me. Yes. <laughs> is that my stomach or is that the blade? That's the blade, something in the blade talking in your mind as you're holding it. Well, I only have two choices. I'd have to kill the guard or I have to kill Molly. No. <gasps> you kill that guard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I throw myself on top of Molly. No. <laughs> Stab an apple, see what happens. Ooh, yes. All right, so I find uh, nearby there is a uh, a guac. Um, I stab it through <laughs> the, the gourd. Okay. And it slices like butter. Yes. Ooh. And and then you hear in your mind, feed me. Yeah. He's not into oh, the holy moly. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming blood will only quench its thirst. All right, so you know what? Um... Clearly, the guard is uh, is preoccupied, so I give him a little I give him a little nick on the leg. We'll see what get, what comes of that. Uh oh. Um. Okay. You give him a nick on the leg. It starts to vibrate in your hand, and then it gets louder. Feed me. Oh no. A psychosexual <laughs> badger blade. I love this. This is fantastic. <laughs> see, I, I wouldn't even go next. I would just no. And at this time. Like- no. The guard's got a spin on you, doesn't he? He's like, what the hell are you doing? I wouldn't kill anything because I feel like it's just going to get louder. Yes, I'd like to be able to hear myself think as I make my escape. <laughs> He's interrupting my grand exit. CA, <laughs> so, yeah, what's in your box? In my box, you have gauntlets. <clears throat> Ooh. Yeah. Do they have red gems too? No, no gems. Are they open finger gauntlets or are they, they like uh, like a metal, uh, something that a knight would wear? Something that a knight would wear. Okay. I put them on. <laughs> so you put them on and you feel like this force within the gauntlets. You feel like you have all this power. Uh, I grab the <laughs> knife and I, I run it deep into the guard's chest. Oh my Ooh. God, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> that escalated so fast. <laughs> uh, the gauntlets did not do anything. Okay. Luckily but for you, the, the badger doesn't notice. The guard is win. <laughs> the badger doesn't notice. <laughs> okay, well, we just killed a guard. Oh no. Roll for animal handling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, um, how much? Like, let's say like you know 50 50 or 25 75 how how much of it is um like plating and how much of it is maybe like a mesh or you know maybe leather straps or something like that uh, most of it is plating it goes all the way down to where your fingers come out and then your fingers are free so it's more like a, a lock picks if, if a knight could pick locks <laughs> <laughs> yes i guess they could pick locks yeah excellent excellent the most dexterous of knights but as he starts to put like his hands together, he feels even more powerful. Dave, I need you to shake hands with yourself. <laughs> okay. 
How's that? How's that feeling for you? Clank. Do you feel more manly than usual? <laughs> so you feel the earth begin to shake below you. I feel the earth move. Yeah, he does. Under my feet. And cracks begin to form in the floor. Oh, I have the power. <laughs> And the cracks are starting to get wider. Uh, we better run. <laughs> <laughs> or you stop holding yourself. <laughs> uh, show notes. For those of you who don't recognize that theme song, uh, that is the theme song from He-Man, uh, which was performed <laughs> flawlessly but bleeped because it's a, a copyright infringement. Wait oh, man. <laughs> Griswix, you didn't do any Greek today. Did I not? There is not a single Greek thing today. So do you want to hear something really interesting about the word calendar? Is it Greek? Uh, no, close though. It's Latin. Oh. <laughs> so it turns out that there are only 18 words in all of Latin that begin with the letter K. And 15 of them are calendar related. Oh. Yes. Uh, calendar um, comes from the Latin calendros, which means uh, to begin uh, as in, um, so it's it, to begin specific to um, like a, a list of things to do. And uh, Calendris was literally the first day of each month where the uh, praetor or somebody who was in charge would come out and explain how this month was going to go. We can move on. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, I was like, let's go Greek. And you were like, hey, let's go Latin. <laughs> uh just kidding. So what's up first? September 2nd? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> what's happening? So I am going to be on Savrick's campaign for Fallout RPG by Spilled Ale. It will be a stream every Sunday starting on September 2nd. So come and hang out with us. It'll be 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Can I ask a question about this? You can. Uh, so... You know, there's like different Fallout games. Which Fallout are we talking about? Uh, it's just Fallout. Is it an RPG? It is. Oh, yeah. It's a Fallout okay. RPG. You're not playing um, a video game. No, by Spilled Ale Studios. Um, you can actually go to their website. It's oh, for free. Cool. Yeah. It's for 5th edition. Uh, you can check it out on spilledale.blogspot.com. It has all of the rules that are there. There's also <coughs> an adventure that's added in there that you can download called A Date with the Queen. Um, it also teaches you how to uh, create your characters just like the Fallout characters. Cool. So if you want to be a synth or a robot or you want to be Codsworth, you can be. <laughs> uh, they also have all these different ways that you can modify your weapons, which is really cool uh, and also very important because it's primarily what you do in Fallout. Um, there's like carrying stuff, building stuff, all of that. Everything you would do in the game is is done in this RPG. So I'm really excited about it. I would love being a snarky Cadsworth. That would be incredible. <laughs> yes. Holy smokes. And that'll be on twitch.tv forward slash Savrick, which is S-A-E-V-R-I-C-K. And you could cut this out if you want. But, um, did you see my, my tweet about the uh, Bethesda games, Chaotic? No, I didn't see it. I tagged you. Yeah. You're so behind. I am. Um, I try. <laughs> anyway, uh, it was like, who's your favorite? Or, or no, it's something about you're in a horror movie or at a haunted house or something, and you have to. It was like a scenario, and you have to stay there. Like you get 
one character to go with you from Bethesda games. Uh, who would you choose? And of course, I choose Codsworth. Um, That's awesome. And I put a little pick, and then I tagged you in it, saying, "You know, who would you take?" And I said, "I would. I bet I can guess." And who did you guess? I was thinking like Big Daddy or something. Big Daddy would be awesome. That's, That's actually going to be, I think, my next cosplay. I think I finally decided on it. That would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big you could actually just uh, switch up that one you did, that, that other one you did for Fallout. You could probably make that into Big Daddy. That big giant thing you wore that a couple years ago? The one for Open Legends? Nah, no. Um, you did a Fallout thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was that a, a raider. boots and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like you could probably mm-hmm. make that into Big Daddy easily. Mm-hmm. Same stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. So, real quick, um, if you are a podcaster or you want to be a podcaster, if you live in the Northeast, right outside Philadelphia, um, this area in the Delaware Valley, we have the Mid-Atlantic Podcast Conference. Uh, It's spectacular. You can get to learn how to podcast. If you're already a podcaster, learn how to do it better and hang out and network with super cool people. It's Friday and Saturday, September 7th and 8th. Yoo-hoo. And anyone could go, right? Yeah, anybody's involved. Yeah, anybody can go. Yeah. It's just you'd be bored if you didn't care about podcasts. So, <laughs> Do we have any idea what the food trucks are going to look like? Now, there is, there, it's at the Holiday Inn, and there's a real nice restaurant right there oh, on nice. premises. And a bar yeah, right there. Yep. I heard there's a hell wedding that same weekend. Is that true? No, that is correct. <laughs> I'm going to be doing a one-shot. Uh, Wado Jeff will be the DM. He invited me to the table with Jeff Kramer 5, Savrick, Von Strad, and Nozul. Very excited about it. All of whom will be bridesmaids. (laughs) 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 Oh, they're going to love that. (laughs) Way to go, Jeff. I was going to wrap them all up as gifts, but I mean, bridesmaids are good too. So, Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a hell wedding theme. Uh, He just sent out wedding invitations. So that was really cool. That Uh, is cool. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be really funny. (laughs) The the crew is absolutely hysterical. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be a very humorous one shot. I'm looking forward to it. Nice. That will be at 1 p.m. Eastern or 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And what is it going to be on? Is it going to be on Thread Raiders, on yours, on his? So it's going to be on Savrick's channel again. So twitch.tv forward slash Savrick. And the links are in the show notes. Yes, they are. Of course, you can give to the cause of Extra Life. It is going on all year, uh, and we have the big event November 3rd and 4th that weekend. It's going to be 24 hours of gaming, and we're going to be doing that on the Thread Raiders channel, right? That's correct. Yeah. Tell us about that. What are we doing? We're we playing a game? Everybody playing? We're going to play everything <laughs> for 24 hours straight. Uh, so we started planning it, actually, uh, recently. I am going to be doing a one-shot where everyone's going to come together and play D&D 5e, where your donations change the fate of the game. So $5 may uh, change maybe a dice roll, $50 may add a monster randomly throughout um, the one-shot, things like that. So I thought that would be kind of fun to do. Uh, Then I'm going to be doing another one-shot, which is with our tabletop loot. So as the characters search through uh, different rooms and things like that, we're going to be doing giveaways with dice, um, giving away like percentages, coupons, and other various things. Uh, Just to liven up the stream a little bit to bring some more people in, um, make donations, that kind of stuff. I know Death by Mage is going to be doing some older RPGs. He's still kind of working on what he'd like to do. And you're going to be there, Dave, with me. So that's exciting, too. 
Yeah, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Nerds from Nowhere is going to be doing a podcast um, live so that everybody can come ask them questions and hang out, things like that. Might do a giveaway here or there. <laughs> and I know uh, Maddie, that's so Maddie over there, he is also going to be doing a, a Dragonlance one shot that day. Ooh. Yeah, so a lot Never of fun stuff in the dragons. works. <laughs> so come hang out with us um if you don't or you don't think you're going to make it to the fundraiser you can always make a donation ahead of time just go to the extra life website and it doesn't have to be just the thread raiders it could be to any of the groups that are on there all yeah. the donations go right to children's hospital and it's all for a good cause uh that's all i got any, any other events you want to talk about november what does that say 30th 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 to the second correct Yep, December. Is it really? Holy crap. Okay. November 30th to the 2nd, PAX Unplugged. I will be there hanging out with a. Uh, actually, TK is going to be hanging out with us. Wow. Uh, nice. I know. He's going to be traveling out to here, and I am going to try to get Dave to go with me. <laughs> Wink, nudge, nudge. We'll see. Um, but you should definitely come out, say hi. Um, and then after that, it's going to be MAGFest. Well, the date just came out January 3rd to the 6th. My favorite convention ever. Are you going to that this year, Dave? You know, I'm going to try to again. Yeah, it's, it, that's really a fun convention. Yeah, it's so that laid might back be and my the favorite. people are so nice. Yeah, yeah it might be my fave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the food truck situation there? <laughs> I mean, we're talking tacos and... I mean, there's no flying cupcakes, yeah. but... Yeah. No flying cupcakes. <laughs> they have a lot of uh, very fancy restaurants there, believe it or not. It's pretty expensive. Uh, usually, I just yep. go to Walmart and stock my fridge full of yeah. meat. It's <laughs> my understanding the flying cupcake people will fly me in some cupcakes, so I might just do that <laughs> no, instead. No, really? Do they? Yeah, so apparently, for, so it's $80 plus shipping and handling oh my God. for the 12 cupcakes. <laughs> Oh my god. Worth it. I'm just saying, if you saw them online, you'd be hungry. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming up and we look forward to seeing everyone. Nice. I do want to say as we close things out, um if you can leave reviews for us, we would appreciate that. Um the more reviews we have on our show, uh it's easier for people that are searching for shows. They see, hey, there's a bunch of reviews. They can read them and say, oh, this is something I might want to jump in on. But even more important than that, a way to get us up in the charts is to subscribe. So whatever app you're using, uh, if there's a way to subscribe, iTunes or Google, click on subscribe so you will get our shows automatically and the counts go up. That's how they kind of rate those. And for those of you who are looking for more information on the Thread Raiders, you can check us out on threadraiders.com where we have links to all of our social media properties, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc., etc.